Good morning. So we are in the month called Nurture Empowered Consciousness. I love that, you know, because we're all conscious. But, but we're talking about empowered consciousness. And today's talk is the building blocks of life, right? The building blocks of life. Yes, I know. We were all in high school biology. I get it, right? All, it, we, all of us learned in high school biology the building blocks of life are what? Amino acids, right? We all... <laughs> I know, I know, right? Building blocks of life are amino acids. And amino acids form proteins. And proteins are the first molecules of life. I got it. But that's not the building blocks I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> so, so just put that aside. I know that's true. All of that is true. But the building blocks I'm talking about today, the building blocks of our lives are thoughts and words because that's how our life outpictures, according to our thoughts and our words. Ernest Holmes said this, he said, wake up. I love it. He could be so subtle. He said, wake up. Your word is all powerful. You get it? Wake up. Your thought, your word is all powerful. So we have to think about our words. We have to be conscious of the words we're using. We have to wake up to all those phrases and all those sayings and all the stuff that just comes out of our mouth without a second thought, right? Because they are shaping our world. They're shaping what we see and how we see it. Think about all of the times that we, we, spend, we spend a great deal of time defining and, and detailing and delving into subjects in our lives, right? Seeking greater understanding of them and trying to figure out our lives. And we go deeper and deeper levels on a lot of thoughts that we have, seeking that greater understanding. Those things that we spend a lot of time thinking about, understanding, figuring out, those are the things that tend to outpicture in our lives as conditions because that's where we're spending our mental energy, right? Energy goes where attention flows or whatever, goes, whatever that saying is. I never get it right, but you know what I'm talking about. The stuff we spend most of our mental energy on, figuring out and thinking about and ruminating over and resonating in, those are the things that tend to outpicture, sometimes, like Ernest Holmes said, with monotonous regularity, right? So, like the Greeks, for example, they spent an awful lot of time understanding and discussing at a deeper and deeper level the subject of love. Love. And they came to understand the many faces of love. And they defined, defined love at least seven different ways. Right? They're, they're, they said eros, which is that hot, passionate, steamy, you know, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that kind, you know? Woohoo! <sighs> okay, we're all familiar with that one apparently. Good, that's it. <sighs> it's warm in here, isn't it? <clears throat> anyway, there is, there is philia, which is friendship, friendship love, based on, uh, on goodness. And now you can have both. None of these things, none of these definitions are exclusive of the other, right? So they, they flow into each other. You can have that philia, that friendship love with, along with eros, right? You can have that friendship love with your lover, right? Where you're lovers and best friends with the same person. 
So there's philia. There's ludus, which is playful love, flirty and goofy. And, you know, this is the fun side of love, where you do fun things together. There's storge, which is that deep abiding love. They defined as love over time, long committed relationships, long marriages. Um, uh, storge is also like familial love, parents for children, grandchildren, that sort of thing. It's that long-term abiding love. And then, of course, there is agape love, right? The universal love for humanity, love for all life everywhere. Think of it as uh, altruism comes out of agape love. And then there's pragma, pragma love, which is practical uh, shared goals between people. Think celebrity couples, right? Or, or political pairings where there is, a, there is a, a mutual, you know, a same goal kind of thing. That's pragma. And then philousia. And philousia is healthy love, healthy self-love. Not narcissism, but healthy self-love, good self-esteem, loving the self that we are. So there is all kinds of different. See, the words have power, and they delved into that, and they got really deep into that love, and they, and they defined it in so many different ways because words have power. They knew this. You know, Native Americans in Alaska, they have 50 words for snow, right? Because they deal with it so much. I am not going to recite all of them. <laughs> Some of them I can't even pronounce. But, but you see, when, where we are invested... Where we dig deeper into understanding in words, this is what out pictures in our lives. This is because what? Thoughts are things, right? Ernest Holmes said that. Thoughts are things, and words are symbols for those thoughts. They are placeholders for the mind pictures in our heads. That's what words are. They're placeholders for the mind pictures that we carry around in our heads. And Ernest Holmes said, to learn how to think is to learn how to live. Yeah. To learn how to think is to learn how to live. The science of mind and spirit is a practice of directed thought for specific purposes. How's that? Is that a good definition for you? The science of mind and spirit, which is what we practice here, is directive thought for specific purposes. Now, Ernest Holmes was the founder of this faith philosophy, and he was a great synthesizer of information. That's what he said. He said he brought nothing new to the world. All he did was read everything he got his hands on. <laughs> he was a synthesizer. He was a prodigious reader, and he gleaned from spiritual and philosophical and scientific writings the truths that were found common through all. And from those commonalities, he founded this philosophical, spiritual teaching, this practice that we do, that we engage in. And he defined this spiritual philosophy in this way. He said, the science of mind and spirit is a correlation of the laws of science, the opinions of philosophy, and the revelations of religion applied to human needs and the aspirations of humanity. Just in case you were wondering what we do here on Sunday mornings, that's it. Ours is a practical spirituality. We seek to make our lives better, yes? And, it, and by way of making our own lives better, we make the lives better of those around us, and then those around them, and then those around them, like dropping a pebble in a pond. 
Ours is a practical spirituality. You know, in our professional practitioner studies, where are my little first years? <laughs> They're now second years. <laughs> Yay! In professional practitioner studies, we learn to do affirmative prayer, right? For specific conditions, to change specific conditions, right? And I know you had the question, and when, how long do we do affirmative prayer for? How long? Until we get a, def yeah, until we get a demonstration. We pray until we get a demonstration. That is practical spirituality. We do spiritual mind treatment. We do affirmative prayer until we see a demonstration. And as professional practitioners, what are we responsible for? Doing the work. Doing the work. As professional practitioners, when you come to a practitioner here at Vision and, and, and you sit with them and pray with them, they pray until that demonstration occurs. They pray until the demonstration occurs, until something shifts, and it's always in their own minds, and then it outpictures. That is what we're responsible for, doing the work. Ernest Holmes said, if, if you do not pray for the people that come to you and ask for prayer, you're guilty of spiritual malpractice. So it is a serious calling. It is a serious undertaking. Our practitioners are dedicated. They know the truth for us. They, they absolutely do because that is their calling, to do the work. What else are they responsible for? Are they responsible for the demonstration? No! <laughs> no! No! Ernest Holmes said the demonstration is the domain of spirit. Spirit will do what it does. It is ours to do the work of knowing. And then spirit changes conditions around us. And how that happens, that's not our business. How? is the domain of spirit. And so what comes to us by way of demonstration is spirit working through our ability to embrace truth, to believe truth, and demonstrate that truth. That's what happens in affirmative prayer. And it's not up to us. Ours, ours is to know the truth. That's what we do. And then a greater truth is demonstrated. Ernest Holmes said this in spiritual mind treatment. He said, in mental treatment, we should feel as though the whole power of the universe is running through the words we speak. That is amazing. And he goes on to say, the words must become spirit and life. If they are to overshadow the thoughts and actions that have brought about the discordant condition." As much conviction as we have, that is what we may use. So all of this affirmative prayer goes on, you see, in the mind of the practitioner, in the mind of the one praying. And because our mind is a point of light in universal mind, in universal intelligence, what is known in one place is known everywhere. And that is how conditions begin to change. But he said, our words must become spirit and life. Spirit and life. They have to take on that power. That's faith and conviction. And, and there can be no doubt that our word has the power of creation behind it. And I'm not talking here about licensed practitioners, right? Because what did Ernest Holmes say? We are all practitioners. We are all practitioners. Some of us get licensed. 
We are all practitioners. You have been using your word your whole life, declaring what is true about you. How you doing so far? Right? You're doing good, right? You're here, you're, you know, you, you're housed, you're dressed. That's a good thing, you know? You managed to get here. I mean, you, all that stuff is good. So yeah, you're doing great. Directed thought, directed thought. You want to be more skilled at this idea of directed thought for specific purposes. Faith is what we are, are speaking into form through the law of conscious creation. And it never judges and it never says no, but it goes to work creating the mold of our acceptance. What can we accept? How big is our picture? What can we accept as possible? Because that is what the law goes to work creating the mold of our acceptance. Ernest Holmes in Creative Mind said this. He said, man's word, human's word. I know he spoke in the masculine. Okay. Human's word spoken forth into creative mind is endowed with the power of expression. He goes on to say this. By our words, we are justified, and by our words, we are condemned. Our word has the exact amount of power that we put into it. This does not mean power through effort or strain, but power through absolute conviction or faith. And so you know these things, right? We must know that we know. This is science of mind and spirit, kind of basic, basic practical philosophy. We must know that we know. We can't say, eh, maybe, I don't know, whatever, you know, lukewarm. We can't be lukewarm in our conviction. We must know that we know. Ernest Holmes' words. We must know that we know and not doubt. When we pray, when we affirm, when we engage in directive thought for specific purposes, we must know that we know and not doubt. Ernest Holmes said, not only must we have complete faith in spirit and its ability to know what to do, but we must have complete confidence in our approach to it. We must not be lukewarm in our conviction. We must know that we know. Know that we know beyond a doubt. We build our lives with these building blocks. We are building our lives, every thought of every day, with the stuff that's rolling around in our head. And how much of that do you really want demonstrating? <laughs> we are, these are our building blocks, our thoughts. What we think is true about life, what we think is true about us, what we think is true about, about our, our success or our potential, what we think is true. It's not what's true. But we're governed, we're limited by what we think is true. When we believe thoughts, then we tend to verbalize those thoughts for good or for bad. Right? I mean, how many, how many ain't it awful conversations have you had around the water cooler? By our words, we are justified, and by our words, we are condemned. Life is a gift. Life is a burden. Love makes the world go round. Love sucks. <laughs> you hear that, right? You hear it. I'm not making this up. Spirit always has my back. I am alone in the world. Everything that I've ever gotten or had or did, I did by myself. We are one. It's us against them. Right? 
How many of these thoughts that are going around in our heads? Oh, my life unfolds easily and effortlessly. Life is hard and then you die. <laughs> right? Where does your mind reside? Where does your mind reside? Where along that spectrum of dualities, now those were kind of extreme examples, but where along that spectrum of human race consciousness, because that's all those, those words are, that's all those sentences are, right? Our human, human race consciousness, human false beliefs. But where along that spectrum does your mind tend to fall? Because it's clear from our teaching that we have to claim our truth all the time. We cannot be lukewarm all the time. We must declare our truth and dismiss our, our doubt. Dismiss any thoughts that negate that truth. We can't whine about our lack and our limitation and our loneliness at, at the same time saying, oh, God is all there is and God's all good. And God. They can't reside. This is the, you know... I can't, I just lost it. There was a Bible quote about that. You can't serve two masters. Yeah, there you go, right? You can't, you can't reside in both of those houses. We have to claim the truth all the time. And when doubt comes up, we must negate the doubt and cling to the truth. We must retrain our minds to entertain thoughts of truth. And isn't that where we go astray? <laughs> I know it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> when we fall into doubt. When we fall into doubt, right? Mark um, uh, 9.24, right? I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Is it, isn't that really the human condition most of the time? Oh, my God, I believe. I believe. Please heal my unbelief. You know? <sighs> we do that. We fall into duality. We fall into the, del into the delusion. <laughs> Illusion. I meant to say illusion, but maybe delusion is better. I don't know. We fall into that illusion of duality, which is, yes, I believe God is good all the time. Oh, yeah, but not right here in my life, right here. I'm the exception to God's rule. I am the one and only exception to God's rule. God is good all the time, except here because I can't get my life to work. No, no. God is good all the time. Leave it at that. Ernest Holmes said, drop all negative thoughts from mind. Do not dwell on adversity, but think plenty into everything, for there is power in the word. That's, that's huge. There is power in the word. These are not just, just symbols of things that we're throwing out and have no, no effect. They absolutely have effect in our lives. He said, move forward. Think only about your dream and never think about what you do not want. Holy moly. Never think about what we do not want. But that's what we do, right? Think about what we don't want. Oh, my God, this is good and this is great, but you know what could happen? A but. Everything that comes after the but, you know, is BS. It's belief system. It's all it is. But we do that, don't we, because we want to be rational. And we want to be reasonable. Let's be reasonable. Let's think this out. You know when you sit with somebody? Let's think about your desire. Let's think about what I want. And then let's think about all the possible obstacles that we can encounter that I can't get what I want. Who's that friend? <laughs> Don't have that friend. 
But you know what I'm talking about because people want to be reasonable, rational. Well, but what if this doesn't happen? How about a plan B? How about a plan C? How about you just shut up? And <laughs> and you claim the truth as it is. You know, you don't you don't want that fallback position all the time, that plan B all the time, or what is and what are we going to do if that doesn't work? Let's do something else. And we say this, and we plan for we plan for our failure. Think about it. We're planning for our failure. We're not planning for our success. So. Let me look at the ways I can't get what I want. That is not a productive place to spend your mental energy. This runs contrary to what we believe in this philosophy. Do not dwell in adversity, Ernest Holmes said. Do not dwell in adversity. Never think about what you don't want. He was real straightforward about that. That's, that's a real direct statement. Do not think about what you don't want. Sounds good. Terrific practice. Okay, great. How do you do that? Right? How do you do that? How do you keep your mind from wandering down there? Because we all do that. High thought, low thought. You know that, that thing where it's like, well, this is the best outcome. Oh, my God, this is the worst outcome, you know? And the worst, I got to tell you, the worst outcome, no matter what you're looking at, always ends up in the same place. You living in a refrigerator box under a bridge. And then you die. That's it. That's the worst thing that can happen all the time. But when we resonate with truth, when we immerse ourselves with truth, when we read only truth, when we speak only truth, when we think only truth, when we pray only truth, when we live only truth, things change around our lives. Conditions change around our lives. Now, Charles Fillmore, who is the founder of Unity, you know, Unity, we're like first cousins. Religious science, science of mind and spirit and unity, we're kind of first cousins and divine science and all the rest of the New Thought movement. They were basically all taught by Emma Curtis Hopkins. <sighs> Plug for my class, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Charles Fillmore said this. He said, we have been so persistently taught that prayer consists in asking God for some human need that we have lost sight of our spiritual identity and have become a race of praying beggars. Please don't hurt me too bad. Right? Praying beggars. We go along in our lives, la, la, la. We don't pray. We don't meditate. We don't do anything. Life's good, la, la, la. We're just going along thinking about what we're thinking about, whatever that is, because it's not trained, right? Until something goes wrong. Hmm. And then by, by going wrong, what I mean is stuff happens we didn't anticipate and we don't like. Right? We didn't anticipate and we don't like. Then what do we do? Well, then we go to prayer, right? Maybe. You should. But we shouldn't wait until that unanticipated and unliked thing happens in our life before we go to prayer. Prayer should be just our daily habit. We should have a prayer bank right? That's filled with all kinds of deposits. We should be prayer practice every single day. We should be prayed up all the time. We, don't, we, we mustn't wait until that unanticipated and unliked thing happens, that undesired thing that sends us to prayer. We should be in prayer on a regular basis. Prayer must be our practice. That's what we do. Prayer is our practice. Affirmative prayer is our practice. 
Not our, not, it should be our first resort, not our last resort, right? Was it Corey Ten Boom, I think, said, um, oh God, prayer should, prayer should be your steering wheel, not your spare tire, okay? It should be your steering wheel, not your spare tire. Absolutely, you know, and, and what happens is the unexpected, the unanticipated, and the unliked comes up and we go, what am I going to do about that, right? We go right to the doing. <laughs> we don't think about, let's go to prayer. What am I going to do about that? And then we try to figure it out, and then we try to do things, and then we like, you know, like a little hamster wheel, we go around and around and around trying to do stuff, try to fix it. We try to fix the problem. We try to fix things at the level of the condition. We try to fix what we see. And then when all else fails, like the doctor in the hospital, we've done everything we can, now it's up to God. <laughs> That's where you should go first, right? That's where you go first. That's where we should be all along, going to God. Prayer is a powerful spiritual practice. Gandhi said, prayer is not an old woman's idle amusement. Properly understood and applied, it is the most potent in instrument of action. That's powerful stuff. In addition to prayer, I mean, that's one of the things we do. Go to prayer. Go to prayer first. Don't even worry about what to do. Just go to prayer first. And spirit will rearrange stuff. But in addition to prayer, what else can we do? In, in Colossians it said, set your mind on things above, not earthly things. That's what going to prayer is. Stop messing around in the condition. Stop messing around in the condition. Go to prayer. Go to prayer. Go to first cause and not the, not the physical outpicturing. If you're just going to mess around in that, it was like, oh, pray me. I get a new job. I don't like my job. I want this job. That's a lateral shift. Do you see how that's condition for condition? All we're doing is praying in the conditions. We go to first cause. We go above that. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And there are ways to do that. In addition to prayer, read every day. Spiritual stuff. Spiritual truth. Read spiritual truth every day. Who's got the Science of Mind magazine? Who's got a subscription? Yay, subscription to Science of Mind magazine. And if you don't, just pick one up. We sell them in the bookstore. Science of Mind magazine. Uh, uh, guideposts. Uh, Daily Word. There's a bunch of them. Creative Thought. 365 Science of Mind. All kinds of daily reading that you can get, that can inspire, that absolutely bring you right to truth. Brings you right to truth. And what else do we do? We surround ourselves with like-minded individuals. And look at us, here we are, right? Like-minded individuals, we are all different, but there is a commonality here. This, this philosophy in which we depend on, we know works, we have faith in, and we absolutely commit time to. Surround yourselves with like-minded individuals who are going to uplift you. You know, what do they say about when you share sorrows? Sorrows are, are subtracted and joys are multiplied when you are in spiritual community, right? Because that's what we do for each other. So do that. Penguin step in a positive direction. <laughs> I love that. I got that. I got that phrase from Jacob Glass. He's always talking about penguins. You know, they have the little short stubby legs. And so it's not about making huge strides. We make little teeny tiny penguin steps most of the time. Ernest Holmes had an analogy for it. He always talked about the beaker of cloudy water, right? And drop by drop, we just put, a, we just put clear water into it. That's our minds. Drop by drop, we just keep 
refining and refining through prayer, through affirmations, through our practice. And then, then we become that clear beaker that, that spirit can flow through unobstructed in changing conditions. So penguin step in the direction you want to you be going in. And learn all you can about this faith philosophy. We're only here once a week. God, I'd love to do this every day. Let's all get together and do this every day, you know. We do this once a week and you get to a certain level. But go deeper. Find out all you can about this philosophy. Read everything you can about Ernest Holmes. You know, it's so funny that for, oh, I don't know. I don't remember how long I've been here. But, but in, in science mind centers all over the country, you know, they, they do the same six books. You know, the science of mind and living the science of mind and creative thought and th- thoughts are things and, you know, this thing called life, this thing called you, that's kind of about it. Do you know Ernest Holmes wrote over 88 books? Yeah, see, you don't hear about all the rest of them. He wrote over 88 books. He wrote, uh, he wrote hundreds of pamphlets and, and curriculum and workshops and it's all available for us. So go deeper into this faith tradition. Really get the deep and the abiding truths that Ernest Holmes spent his life talking about and living. And look for ways to serve others. That is a huge demonstration of our faith tradition. All right? The helper's high. You've heard of that, right? The helper's high. You know, you go out and you serve, and, and it makes us feel better. We serve by knowing the truth. First and foremost, we serve by just knowing the truth for people before we even lift, you know, a finger. To know everyone out there is our brother and sister. To know that we are all out picturings of the same God. To absolutely know that in any situation you're in, that in itself is spiritual activism. Just knowing it. Because when you know for your brothers and sisters that we are all one, that in in itself is empowering. So look for ways to serve others. And share this philosophy. Who is it that said, oh, books. Oh, one of our licensed practitioners, we call him San Francisco Paul because he lives in San Francisco, yeah, yeah, I know. Paul, you must have heard. If you, if you call for, um, I mean, if you put a prayer request in for a callback, either you'll get Lawrence Bond, who lives in Las Vegas, who's an amazing prayer, or you'll get Paul, San Francisco Paul, who lives in San Francisco, and he's an amazing prayer. So you know him, even though you, he's not here physically. You do know of him. He carries around a stack of creative thoughts with him, those books, creative thought, and he just gives them out to everybody. He'll say something, and they'll say, hey, that's really interesting, and he'll go, really? It's interesting here. You want to read this? <laughs> and he just gives it out, and then he gets clients that way. How about that, licensed practitioners? Think about it, right? That's what we do. Share the philosophy with others. This works. People are going to find out how much this works, because they're going to look at you and you're happy, or they're going to look at you and you're, you're successful, or you're fulfilled, or you're at peace, when everything looks like it's going crazy, right? There are times in this country, and I'm not even going to go there, but you know what I mean. There's stuff that goes up in the world of conditions, and you look at it and you're like, I'm never going on Facebook ever again as long as I live. I'm never going there. Because it looks like chaos out there. And yet we can walk through it in peace because of this philosophy. Because you know what? We know how it comes out. God wins. <laughs> God always wins. Right? We know this. We know truth always, always lifts everyone. It lifts everyone. So share the philosophy. Because people are going to want to know why you're at peace and why you're so well-grounded and why you're so happy all the time. Don't you know what's really going on? You know? 
share your philosophy because then they're going to want what you have. They're going to want what you have. And I'm going to end, I'm, I'm going to end by going back to prayer. <laughs> going back to prayer. Pray big. Pray big. Don't be afraid of your prayers. Don't be afraid of your power. Don't be afraid of your ability to use affirmative prayer. Pray big. Whatever you think you can have, it is nothing compared to what spirit wants for you. Nothing. It's only a drop in the bucket. Pray big. Think of the, the greatest thing. Ernest Holmes said, in order for us to be more, we have to, we have to be more. In order for us to get more, to have more of anything, intelligence, wisdom, love, joy, whatever we're praying, we have to be more. So don't be afraid to pray big, bold, or just, just outrageous prayers. Yeah. Ah, Ernest Holmes said this in Observations. He said, but how to make practical use of divine wisdom? It is not enough for us to say God is all there is. That statement was true before we said it. But if we wish to demonstrate the availability of this higher power in human experience, we must say God is all the life there is, and we must add, that life is my life now. God is good all the time. That goodness is mine. God is substance. That substance is my supply. The divine thing within us, the creative energy, the infinite intelligence which functions through us, which is God, the living spirit almighty, must be directed in our lives by us. We must link our thought with the thought of the infinite and declare that as ours to use. That is what we do. That is how powerful our word is. That is how powerful our thoughts are. Those are our building blocks of life. We must use them wisely, consciously, lovingly, joyously. And I'll picture that. Thank you so much, my friends. <laughs>